the best coaches in the game, <laughs> we really ain't playing. We regroup up in the Slack chat where the coaches debrief. We be piecing these puzzles, occupy the chunk of the pie. Ain't no lie when we hit the block, helmets casket is top. You be seeing helmet after helmet, helmet after helmet. First place, second place, fifth place, eighth place, twelfth place, fifteen, sixteen, twenty. So many helmets, you got blur vision, we got... All right, DFS Army, we're back again. Another bold call fantasy football podcast. We got a good one for you today. Special guest, Alex Dunlap, rosterwatch.com. How are you, my friend? Alan, what the hell is going on, brother? Excited <laughs> to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. No, this is cool. This is cool. Uh, so for those tuning in who know Alex, he, uh, he is the co-founder of rosterwatch.com. He also can be heard regularly on Sirius xm fantasy sports channel we're going to get into all that but we're uh in the week before draft so i want to give some people some last minute draft advice but you know i was always curious because you're super passionate about fantasy football like why do you think wh why do we love it so much why do you love fantasy football so much it's just, it because uh i don't know <laughs> it's like why do we why do we drink water or why do i to me it's just kind of in my bones i've been playing fantasy since um you know, I've been playing fantasy in leagues with my dad since we had to, um, dude, we had to, like, I was like seven years old and we would have to like wait for our commissioner to send us in the snail mail, like the box after he would tabulate box scores on his own, you know, and stuff like that. We'd have to wait till Tuesdays and the, the our league results would come on Tuesdays. We'd open up the mail and see how we did against our opponents. We would kind of figure it out a little bit on our own. We'd, 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 we'd know who the opponent had. We'd know who we had. And you could do some back of the napkin math and you'll figure it out. But I mean, it's it, I've been playing ever since I was a little tiny kid. It's, it was a lot due to my dad. Well, you see, the Dr. Freud in me would say it's a connection of nostalgia for you. I mean, that's why you love it so much. And then obviously you develop uh, a, a level, uh, a love of the game on a level that, you know, is is just to the next level. And that's what you guys do over at Roster Watch. And uh, uh, what, what do you think is like your most uh, nostalgic memory of football, even just non-fantasy wise as a kid? What's the game you remember? The my my state championship game in high school that I played in, uh, probably. I mean, we 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 won state. My quarterback was Drew Brees. And it was just an incredible run that we had. We beat we um, we boy we 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 beat the shit out of those guys too. I, th I think we won fifty five to fifteen. I still have the like the ball here with all the like, so. All so for those uh, those listening on the audio cast, Alex is is oh look at that he's got the game ball. Yeah. Oh that is cool. I love that. So you yeah. what is that? Is that glass around it or is that some smash yeah. glass? Oh that yeah. is awesome. So that, there you go. It's this little state, so state championship ball signed by all the guys. You know, you know what's so, interesting? I have, I still have my high school football team, like with everyone signed. I have it in my office as well. That's that's not. It's like again, nostalgia is a big part of why we do fantasy. <laughs> um, so over at Roster Watch, for those of you who are just you know hearing about this for the first time, which shouldn't be anybody in the DFS Army, we talk about you often, and most of them know that I'm doing um, some some written work some, for you, some videos, some, some fantastic work. You, you guys should all check it out. You're, you're awesome for saying that. You make me feel good, Alex. But uh, people know that you do this year-round. Uh, it doesn't stop. It actually just begins after the Super Bowl. And I'm just curious, what is your favorite form of fantasy to play in of, you know, best ball, redraft, dynasty? What is it? It's it's redraft. But I but I um I love dynasty. I love dynasty. I mean, we we have to we spend a whole lot of time talking about dynasty and best ball in the off season because it really is. We're a year round company. It's a great way to bridge the content gap. You can talk about dynasty all year long. You can talk about rookies basically from 
the time that the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl start, all the way through the NFL draft, and after the NFL draft, you got to reshuffle the deck and figure out, you know, this guy's going here, this guy's going here. What does it all mean? What does it mean for the actual player? What does it mean for the team? What does it mean for the situation? And then you get into summertime, and of course, we do a bunch of traveling. This year with COVID, it really screwed. What's the what's the cussing thing here? I'm not supposed to cuss, am I? Oh, you can cuss. You can cuss. We've had. I was we, about yeah. to say. We. Re- I was gonna say it really fucked us up, but <laughs> I, I would rather say it really. I guess I could say it really screwed us up no, this year with with uh, with COVID. But we generally, you know, we we're at we're at the Senior Bowl, and then that sort of starts the offseason travels because we'll go from there. We'll take a few weeks back at home, and then we head to the combine, and then from the combine, it's just a mad scramble to get the pro day tour set up. We'll get the pro day tour set up. Um, Usually we'll go cover the draft uh, for Sirius. Of course, that was out of the cards this year as well. And um, and then directly from the draft, you know, you go to the rookie mini camps, uh, the, the veteran OTAs after that, and then the training camps. So we travel around doing a lot of this stuff. And during it, to, you know, to add context for fantasy, we're always talking about it from like a dynasty perspective and during certain parts of the offseason. And then, you know, once once best ball drafts start kicking off, we start talking about it from a best ball perspective, how we can get ahead with this knowledge that we have going to see these guys, going to talk with these folks, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so th- those have been really important to us, you know, for our content, for our business, for everything. Pe- people really like it. But for me, it's just redraft. I love that. I love starting over every year. I love my leagues. I love the guys who I'm in my most important leagues, even my small, like my, my most important leagues are by far not my most high dollar leagues. You know, my like right, the my, pride leagues. Like, how many yeah. leagues are you in right now? Redraft leagues. Well, counting just. I mean, are we counting all the like the pros versus Joes? Like you have to manage those, right? If you have to manage them, I mean, yes. I don't know. Probably like probably. I don't know. I've I've tried to cut it down a little bit. You know, (laughs) doesn't work. It doesn't happen. Yeah, but I mean, I kind of have. There there been like I probably have like maybe twelve or thirteen that I have to manage really closely. But like, there's there's basically there's there's three that I manage extremely closely, and that's my. Um, oh, and then plus one other high stakes one, but, but it's like three that I'll always have that I care most about my two home leagues, my one with my got with my friends from college and my ro- roster watch co-hosts who were my friends from college um, also. And then uh, the one with a bunch of my guys that I work with or you know had worked with covering the Texas Longhorns right. and those guys. And so. There's those two leagues, and then I have my oldest dynasty league that I've just, uh, you know, I don't care about any any other dynasty leagues except for that one. Um, so those three are the three I care about. Then the rest I'll go through. I'll put in waivers. I'll use our cheat sheets. I'll do the like. I'll go through the motions with those. But like, I don't get kicked in the nuts whenever things whenever bad, things things go bad on on Sundays with those teams. I get kicked in the nuts badly on, in in those three leagues. And 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 they truly are like three. I mean, they're not that important financially. Right. But no, no. But that's what, again, that ties back to what we were talking about originally. Why did you get into fantasy? Why did you like, why do you like playing fantasy? So, you know, it, it really goes back to how do you become a better fantasy player? And by the way, before we even answer that, how's it feel? You've been doing all these great interviews with amazing guests all off season. How's it feel to be riding shotgun and let somebody else ask you the questions for a change? <laughs> yeah, man, I was just, I was thinking, I didn't know what to do whenever we first got like, I, like, I, I don't I know got what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do with anything. I'm just, I'm just saying, hey, man, I'm just letting Alan just. just, just oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've on this, on the DFS army bowl call podcast, I've had, you know, analysts on Byron's come on uh, the co-host and co-founder of rosterwatch.com. And he said the same thing, you know, uh, the analyst that I've had on said, 
it's nice just to let you do some of the heavy lifting and just talk to me a little bit. So I could tell that you're a little uncomfortable and I kind of like it. I have to say, I kind of like it but, yeah, because you have to remember you're so busy doing all the information on these people. People want to know about you. I mean, before, you know, that I, I was working with you and for you as a, as a, as a contributor, you know, and I'm a fan first of the work that you do. And that's why I have so many great questions for you here. So how does he, you know, one of the questions that I get a lot and I, I want to put it on you to give the answer is, how do you get better at fantasy? I mean, if you know, a lot of players, most players are casual players. I mean, we, we're stuck in that world of the of the year round people. Mm-hmm. But what advice would you give to someone? How do you get better at regular redraft fantasy? Well, you, you you need you need to have before you can really take the next step to being uh, just a dominant fantasy football player um, in your home leagues. What? Wh- what you need to do is you need to take the step to where the information that comes out every week, you need to understand it at the, at the level that all the best players understand it. You need to know these team situations. You need to know who the, which guys are hurt. If they are hurt, sort of what it means, you know, uh, listening to press conferences, understanding, um, understanding how the pieces all fit together. Right. Because like, take it, for example, this is a DFS pod or, or the D, a, a DFS site. So- so this, this is a D, this is a DFS site, but you know the, I'm providing the season long content for them now. Okay, so but, you're going to have you have there's, there's going to be some some crossover here with like DFS yes, players. Absolutely. So, so so just think just think about it like like NBA. I'm I am shitty at, at NBA. I'm I'm bad at NBA. I'm a little better, maybe a little bit better at at, at baseball. But it, because here's here here's the thing, and everybody will know coming up into lock for in, in, in NBA and especially with with late swap, I. I don't have the baseline understanding to know if, um, you know, if, if, if Damian Lillard is out, well, I guess then you would say you probably want to pull up CJ McCollum, but there's like, there's, there's, but there's some, some guy that's going to go from some sports. asshole from the yeah. from the Nuggets, like you know, he's the power, some power forward, but he, and he's he's with the second group. Like somebody will know automatically. They'll say, oh, when that happens, they all you know they always bring in this dude, and he's going to get four extra minutes, and that really makes a big difference. And and I'll get slaughtered in NBA because those are late swap decisions that I just don't I don't understand. Uh, I don't I don't. I can't wrap my head around it. I feel like in NFL, it's it, to be a good fantasy player, you have to make now not always with late swap because we're, we're talking season long here, but you do have to make snap decisions on on free agents that you pick up whenever you hear news. You need to make uh, snap decisions if some idiot offers you a trade that he shouldn't have offered, like that you need to take right then. You need to be able to process the information, understand the situation, and and you know not not have to be reliant on somebody else telling you exactly you know what it is that what it is that you should be doing in order to really move up. You need to have that, that baseline level of understanding about exactly what's happening. Yeah. And everything Alex is talking about, plus all his player analysis is baked into his signature tool over at rosterwatch.com, which is called the ultimate draft cheat sheet. You've heard us talk about it on this show a little bit today. And, and again, you know, you guys kind of make tongue in cheek of, of the tool, but it really is like having Alex and the co-founder Byron in the room with you when you draft. And then after the draft, they use a similar format for their waiver wire tools. So, and, and to get a membership over at rosterwatch.com, which I certainly recommend you do is supplement any other memberships that you have. Um, I mean, you guys, it's Cheap. under, it's, it's under cheap. 10. Yeah. It's under 10 bucks. And you just like, it's, 
you get instant value out of it. So again, Alex is not here for his health. He's here to promote his tool the day before, uh, <laughs> day before the NFL season. I'm, I'm here for both, man. I'm here for both. Uh, uh, listen, we know, we know. But at the end of the day, you know, we just want people to know um, that they could <laughs> they can dive into what you know everything that you're working for all year round and have that for under ten bucks a month. All right, couple questions. Let's switch over to twenty twenty. Way, way under ten bucks. It, it, it's it's like five bucks. Or is yeah, it five. It's, is it five? It, I, I think it's five ninety nine. Yeah, so it's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it, you can buy one for a friend too. I mean, I the, I <laughs> yeah, started, that'd be great. I'd love that. <laughs> I've been a member. I've been a member so long. Mine's under four dollars a month. I've been a member so long. You're so. not comped. I'm not comped, but I don't want to be comped. We're going to talk about that. Well, I I like being a, a member. It, it yeah. would it would be it would be bad Shit, juju man. for me to be comped. You should have said something. We, oh no 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 no! no. T- that was one of the conditions under which I would work for. I would not get a comp membership. I want to pay. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> you know, no argument, right? Uh, qu- all right, so. Couple 2020 fantasy questions. Most people by this point would have normally done their drafts, but what I've noticed from talking to people in our Slack chat and DFS Army is that a lot of people are waiting till tonight. A lot of people are even waiting uh, till tomorrow. And I I've am. noticed, and oh yeah, exactly. And an unusual amount of people are going to do it the night of. So talk well, it's about because people didn't want to. People were worried there wasn't going to be a season. Yeah, and they, they they just like everybody. It was a little bit. I dude, I noticed it when I look at our signups and everything. It's like there was a big flood later it usually starts in august but i think in yeah. august people are still like are we gonna have football like i know have, i you know the team team commissioner league commissioners are we were probably all a little bit late this year with getting things set up and everything and i think what it did was it just naturally pushed back everybody's everybody's drafts and honestly i think when the leonard fournette stuff happened and stuff like that a lot of leagues said like if they had drafts maybe for last weekend or sometime last week they said look maybe we should wait till after cutdowns and make sure yeah. like let, let's like let's get all the information that we can and let's do it these next couple of days and so i've noticed it's like this last week this, like this is when we I, like i put a i put an article up on the site today that's it's usually the where i have to say like all right here's our content schedule for the season this tool comes this day this tool comes this day this tool comes this day etc and Starting starting next week after we get the week one data, that's how it's gonna how it's going to be. It's like that's because week one is what people usually care about right now. But it's like all anybody's at, still asking about is their is, is their drafts, which is yeah. weird. It kind of well, makes it hard for us to turn the page to to week one when we still have this stuff going on. Yeah, you know what it is. It's like people I think finally have an appreciation for the preseason. I know you love the preseason. Oh. I love the preseason, but yeah. without it, you know, it's nice to see them walk out with the helmets and the field is painted. It kind of like oh, it gets you ready. It's like it almost mm-hmm. doesn't seem like it's really going to happen on Thursday, even though we know the NFL is so out of their minds and maniacal, right? That they're going to make it. Even if there's a COVID outbreak, they'll make up some story that there's not because it's just such a machine, you know? Um, so what I wanted to do, oh yeah, knock, knock on wood, you know? But the, uh, I really wanted to ask you some 2020 strategy questions since it's still relevant to many people that are oh, watching yeah. this live. And, sure. you know, uh, by the way, so funny in the comments, the live comments, which uh, somebody had said, don't you know, it's uh, the membership is cheaper than a fair trade cup of coffee. I mean, I love, <laughs> I love that they're yelling at me. Like, I don't know that's the signature line, but I get it. I did, you know, I, I undersold it. Um, so how, uh, you know, you hear a lot about running back inflation. I've written about it on this on rosterwatch.com for you guys. Um, it seems like there's a late push that people, when when they have to click draft on some of the running backs, like Nick Chubb seems to be falling in the last few days. Aaron Jones, for some reason, is falling. How are you handling the beginnings of draft? I don't know why people, that's such a big question, because you really can't screw it up in the first two rounds unless you screw it up. So what is your overall draft philosophy for 2020? 
You know, it depends on where I'm picking from. My, my my overall draft philosophy is to use my cheat sheet. I've poured my heart and soul into that thing for the last five months. And it 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 is something where I've built it, I've built the structure of it to basically have the drafts fall the way that I really like and the way that I really prefer. I I you know I, I did a draft last night in, in one of those important leagues and the I I didn't like it. I didn't like the way that the draft came out. Things went sideways. Everybody in my goddamn league was using the cheat sheet. It That's was the just, worst. It's <laughs> like, it's just hard, you know, but um, I think Alan, it just, it depends where I'm, where I'm picking from. I don't think that the issue of hoping that an Aaron Jones or a Nick Chubb falls to you really, um, really comes into play unless you get like, you know, pick one through pick four, wherever in a 12 team league, you're having to pick at the two, three turn. My worst fear when I'm picking from the one, with the, when I'm picking from the one spot, everything's going to be great anyway, because in PPR, I'm going to have Christian McCaffrey. Yes. But, but, but on the way back, isn't that a real problem? Dude. That's a yes, problem. Because what, because what happens is if you look at it, man, there's going to be a lot of times whenever you're, you're just, you're like, even if you're not a, Look, even even I can understand. It's so weird. It's even though I understand the great the the great uh, positional value that comes to me versus other players. Whenever I take a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle, even though I completely understand it, whenever we're talking about a non-tight end premium home league, I hate the way that my teams look when I go tight end early. I don't like it. I don't like taking Chris Godwin early. I I, I don't want to yeah. take Chris Godwin with my second round pick. I don't want to take Travis Kelsey at pick 2.07 in a non non tight end premium home league just because when I look farther down my draft list, I'm just so interested in guys that I can take in like the the double digit right. I mean, the late, late, late rounds like, you know, John U. Smith or TJ Hawkinson or Mike Gesicki or, you know, take a shot on Blake Jarwin or Ian Thomas or Jack Doyle or just any of these dudes. Right. Um yeah, you know what it is. It's just, so it's, just, it's, it's painful for me to, to to take a to take a tight end there, and so I what I'm doing is, dude. If I'm hoping that a Nick Chubb or an Aaron Jones falls, if I do pick early, right. I'm interested. In, I am interested in either of those guys, and I'm hoping desperately that I can get either of those guys with my second round pick, and then just see 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 what the world has in store for me there after the third you know pick comes around. Well, that's why late in draft season that running backs that typically went in the third and even fourth round all off season. And we, you know, we grow numb to it a little bit because, you know, we have we, we see these players change ADP uh, from March all the way till. Yeah. yeah. So play running backs are getting pushed up. I mean, James Conner now in the in the high stakes leagues is, is solidly in the second round uh, on your show. You interviewed Matthew Berry and he made a compelling case for Chris Carson. Could you see yourself at the end of the second round? pushing up one of those running backs and taking them there? Or is it just not within, it's not within your DNA to do something like that? I just, I, I, I think if I was, I'm not, not, in, not in PPR. I, I think if I was in that spot, well, I mean, would it, it would, it would depend whether James Conner was still on the board. I'm a little bit higher on James Conner than some people. I, I think uh, for me to, for me to bump Chris Carson up like that, because I will admit, man, Chris Carson's perennially underrated. Um, I might have somewhat of a blind spot to him just because I've always been so, you know, I'm a, I'm a Chris Carson dynasty owner in that most important dynasty league that I have. And I'm always just so worried that, you know, that the team seems to do things like drafting running backs in the first round, just so ridiculously, you know, like absolutely cockamamie moves that they've made. And they just end up going back to Chris Carson. I worry about his fumbles. You know, they don't seem to worry. Like, so all the worries that I have about Chris Carson, the team doesn't seem to also have, yeah. but I still, I, I, I still can't, um, 
I, I still can't shake it. Whenever a guy like James Conner looks like he's healthy, Ben Roethlisberger, from the stuff I've seen, you know, the Steelers have done a great job streaming their, their training camps, and that's something I've spent a lot of time doing over the course of this last month since we haven't been able to get out to them is just you know, watching the streams. Ben looks good. I, I mean, I find it hard to believe. I wouldn't have bet on it, but he does. You know, I don't know how long yeah. it will hold up. But um, he looks good. I think that offense is going to be good. And so, you know, maybe, maybe – would you, not, would, not, not Carson specifically, but if I was in a real, real pickle, maybe a guy kind of like Carson that I would consider there in that spot. If I was super set on going running back over one of these uh, tight ends or one of these um, second tier wide receivers, I, I would, I, I, I would consider James Conner. Want to play a little game? I got a little sure. game for you. No, yeah, right. I, little, I love games. Yeah. little game, little game. So, you know, throughout the draft, different parts of the draft, you have to change whether you're taking a ceiling pick or a floor pick. But there's a, a list of players I put here that I'm not sure if they're, if they're ceiling or floor plays. Now, you know their ADPs, so I'll, I'll just throw out their ADPs, and you tell me if they're ceiling or floor. And if you want to add a comment to it, you can. If you just want to do lightning round, that's cool. Okay. So John Brown in ninth round, is that a floor or a ceiling pick? I'm just – Geez, I mean, that's a tough one. I, I mean, I'm not big on John Brown this year because I think that that's a low volume passing offense since they've, they've added Stephon Diggs. So I don't think he's a ceiling play or a floor play. Raheem Mostert at the fifth round. Is that a floor or a ceiling pick? Ceiling pick. Even in a PPR league. Where yeah. See, I I kind I agree with that. You know, I've heard of him saying, "Hey, he's a floor pick," but uh, and again, these are all going to be hard ones. That's why it's I'm, a, I'm it's, a, it's a it's a hot hand situation. We've heard about it over and over again. What you're betting on is Raheem Mostert, you know, you know, generating and gaining the gaining the hot hand, and and if he does, we've I mean, that guy can have absolute monster games, even if he doesn't bring it very much in in the receiving department. Adam Thielen in the third floor or ceiling. <sighs> In a, in a PPR, it feels floor, but both too. I mean, he, he, he brings both. I mean, I think Adam Thielen has a great ceiling with Stefan. I, I, Adam, Adam Thielen's a great pick there because he's a floor pick and a ceiling pick. Yeah. I mean, these were not supposed to be easy because I couldn't figure these out either. That's why I'm asking you. Okay. Right. Jerry Judy in the eighth round. Is that a floor or ceiling pick? Oh, that's a ceiling pick. There's a, there's, 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 there's no floor with, with, with Judy whenever there's Drew Locke pulling the trigger. Right? Yep. La last one is uh, Michael Gallup. Was he going around the seventh round? Floor ceiling. Yeah. Uh, ceiling because yeah, well, you know what we were able to see last year. He was he was super good. He was super good. But you know, Amari Cooper is one of the best route runners in the league, and Ceedee Lamb is simply a better football player than Michael Gallup. Ceedee Lamb is a better football player than Amari Cooper. So mm. um, it's going to be a situation where I just I, I just keep saying. If, if Blake Jarwin's going to break out, if CeeDee Lamb's going to break out, if if Tony Pollard's going to get more involved in the passing game, like, what are, like, do we just, I mean, are we just going to say that Dak Prescott's the quarterback one of all quarterback ones and like the, the Cowboys are going to be the best offense we've seen or is, is something going to have to give here with, with one of these guys? I don't know exactly who that's going to be just yet, but um, I think that, I think there's a case for not Michael Gallup having a bit of a creaky floor that you'd be a little bit worried about i like that a creaky floor that's a good way to say it. there's a floor but it's not a solid floor right. uh but it, you said something important too i think that dak prescott is you know he's universal i don't want to say universally but he's either the qb3 or qb4 in most rankings if he's lower than five that's just you know cockamamie. yeah cockamamie. <laughs> exactly but isn't there a case to be made that he belongs at the bottom of but in the elite tier with the the big two i mean you don't have to take him there but if you're tiering your qbs i think he belongs in that as is solidly in that tier but at the bottom of it, Lamar Mahomes tier. 
Well, his agent certainly certainly thinks so. <laughs> I'm, yep. sure that the, I'm sure that those those exact conversations are being had yep. with Stephen Jones and, and the in the crew yep. there at the store in Frisco. I, I meant from fantasy, but yeah, that's a whole a whole different <laughs> animal. So you know, so nobody loves the NFL more than you do, Alex. I mean, the way you talk about it to me is is why I fell in love with your broadcasting style and the way Byron and and obviously the Trash Man way you guys talk about it over at RosterWatch.com and uh, and your broadcast on Sirius. But I'm curious if there was an a real NFL rule that you could change today and it wouldn't have to go through any vetting. It's just, you would change it and you think it would make the NFL better. What do you think that rule change should be? These are tough questions. Um, <laughs> you thought you were come you here know, with a it's, softball it's a, question? Yeah, well, I, know. I thought I was going to ask about you know why why I like Hollywood Brown or something. Just, do you know, I, challenge anything, mm. anything. Literally, challenge anything. You can challenge anything you want. Right. It's good. If, if you have a challenge, it doesn't have to be some weird rule. There doesn't have to be some kind of weird thing. If you want to challenge the, like, if they say that, a, that you get a participation penalty for too many men on the field because a coach, there's a get back coach that doesn't do his job or something like that, you should be, you should be able to challenge it. There's there's goddamn cameras all over the place. Fair you enough. should be able to you should be able to challenge anything. So get it right, basically. Get it right. Yeah, yeah. Come. And 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 they shouldn't tell you what you can and can't challenge. All right. So okay, we'll go back to uh, 2020 football because I don't want to explode your brain like the little exploding emoji uh, <laughs> when the head pops off. But no, uh, I don't mind it. I mean, it's not, I mean it's fun. <laughs> well, these are questions I've always wanted to ask you, and you know, you're yeah. you, we all have our busy lives. Now I have you captive for about you know hopefully another <laughs> ten minutes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask all the ones that I that I want to ask. Uh, all right. So what's a stance you've taken in fantasy this year that you would honestly be surprised if it didn't happen? The uh, the this the any, that the people that went zero RB early on were just being were being such fools. I don't know. It just it feels like the people who it feels like such disingenuous advice to give people to tell them to do this cockamamie backwards thing where you don't draft the, the most important position in, in in fantasy because there's some you know there's some creepy way that you can pick these players up on the back <laughs> on the back end of your drafts. And what's happened is that the floor we, we talked about that creaky floor, like the floor is falling completely out from some of these guys yeah. that went super wide receiver heavy early. They got their super premium tight ends. They got their Lamar Jackson quarterbacks. And they're like, look, I'm fine, man. Look at Bruce Arians. He's saying Ronald Jones is going to be the guy. And look, DeAndre Swift, he's been hurt all preseason. Carry on Johnson's getting all the work with the ones. And then look, I mean, look what happens. What am I left? What am I I'm left here with my hand with Leonard Fournette going to be taking a job from Ronald Jones before we even know it? I'm left with Adrian Peterson, that Matt, who's old, but who Matt Patricia still thinks is as good as he ever was. Who like who's who's going to be the direct competition for Carry On Johnson? Even once DeAndre Swift does get healthy, it's like those 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 situations can just dis those. Those sorts of situations where it's not a rock solid running back, man, they can they can dissolve like vapor uh, into nowhere. So I'm, I'm I'm very confident that you know a, a good good solid robust RB start in fantasy is what you should be doing, and those could be the rosters that end up taking down these you know not not only the, your home leagues but these big like these big FFPC and underdog champ like best ball et cetera et cetera yeah i think you know uh, was it about a half decade ago when sean siegel wrote the article and he won the big tournament using zero running back um you know that's what really got people curious in it and uh, i think that zero running back even if you want to employ that strategy which i agree with you it's going to be very difficult to to win with that strategy but it really has become more of an anchor running back strategy where you get one and then i think it's all right to have to 
to go heavy wide receiver there because one of the worst parts of fantasy football for me is agonizing which wide receivers to start. If Jamison Crowder or Sterling Shepard, I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, we we look at the matchups and you yeah. guys have a great robust matchup tool that actually doesn't look at team defense, looks at actual player matchups versus player cornerbacks. Well, right, but, Alan, but that, I mean, that's it's just that's but still it's disingenuous because what you just yeah. said is not zero RB. You right. just said you have an anchor, or you like, and and they call this shit modified zero RB. Zero RB. It's 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 confusing to people. It doesn't make it does it doesn't make any sense. I've been saying it on the serious show. It's yeah. like saying you want to start a start a true like a real life NFL franchise, and and you go to your general manager and you say like I I want this to be a zero QB team. Like, I heard you say a, that on. A, I heard you say the radio. Quarterback team. I just like it, it. It literally, it literally makes no sense. It's 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 confusing to people, and people think yeah. So many people, like the trash man, or like there are just a lot of people in this world that take pride in kind of being contrarians and doing things a little bit different, you know, than other people and stuff. And and those people are drawn to this kind of stuff, and it's it's just like it's it isn't helpful. It's it's it's, it's confusing to them, and it's and it's desperate. It's just it's detrimental to, to, to their chances of winning and like our jobs to, to try and help people win. So. Yeah. I mean, you it, it going zero Q. I heard you say that on the radio show. I was, I was laughing because it, I was laughing because it's true. Uh, but I guess uh, someone like Josh McCown is, is a zero RB. He gets to live in Texas and he gets to earn money. And you know, he only comes in if if God forbid something happens, who's older by the way, him or Matt Schaub at this point, Matt Schaub or McCown. Yeah. Oh, man. I know I, the answer. So I'm, I'm seeing if you know which grandpa is older because they're both the backup quarterbacks now. McCown's older. Yeah, he is two years older. He's forty-one. <laughs> yeah. Um. By the way, who is a, a question that I'm getting in our Slack chat? I was hoping you could answer this. And by the way, I'm here with Alex Dunlap of RosterWatch.com, also known for his show on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. Alex, you're going to be on every. Uh, you guys going to do game day right on Sunday, yes, and then are you going to do a Saturday night show seven, too? Seven a.m. to nine a.m. Eastern. As of right now, it's looking like probably. That we're just gonna stick with the Sunday. stick with the Sunday show this year, just so yeah. game game days, seven a.m. to nine a.m. Possibly some like announcements coming up about some new yeah. Saturday stuff. But you're going to be doing your podcast. I saw your content schedule that you tweeted out today. So mm -hmm. go to rosterwatch.com. Give them a follow. A follow. Uh, they put out amazing, both you know, free stuff, and then for their for their pro members, the two, they'll tweet out some stuff on how to uh, get their tools. So all right, question I was going to ask you is who. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about that the third round is a major trap area for um, for any fantasy players. You have to be careful. Leonard Fournette is a good example of one of the players that was a trap in the third round before he got released. Todd Gurley has the potential to be a trap. So if you believe that, who is the running back in Atlanta to own as the backup? It's, I mean, it's, it's it's Brian Hill, but I, I don't necessarily think I don't I don't necessarily believe that Todd Gurley is a is a giant trap. I think he has the I think he has the potential to be a trap, and I think that that's sort of priced in with where you can get him. I've been back and forth about Todd Gurley. I've had just so many guests on on our show this year that have had such strong takes about Gurley. One one where I mean, people are either kind of in or they're out. I I, I don't feel that way. I think if he falls to me somewhere in the third. Um, preferably late third, you know, three, three, four, three, four turn kind of, kind of thing where, you know, some of these other guys are off, off the board and maybe it's other than maybe a David Johnson and a Le'Veon Bell sort of left lingering in that sort of pseudo uh, second tier of old sort of throwback, you know, candidates um, where after that you're starting to look at like the, you know, the, the Melvin Gordons or the Cam A, who, who Melvin Gordon, who I'm completely off, 
um, yeah. you know, Cam Akers, Mark Ingram, maybe now Leonard Fournette, now that he's in Tampa. Uh, it, it feels like it feels like what I think the reason why I'm sometimes taking Gurley is because he comes up where running backs are starting to feel a little bit scarce, right? Like that like line that, of demarcation. Like that level really, yeah. of running back is starting to feel a, a little bit scarce. And so that's why I'm not totally against taking him there, even though I do take him realizing that it could be an epic trap. Right, yeah, right. no, abs- absolutely. But you, like you said, it's priced in. And it's so funny because, you know, uh, you get caught in your fantasy bubble. But I started looking at some other uh, high stakes drafts from sites and they have girly priced as a second rounder. And, you know, you say to yourself, like, oh, my God, that's the craziest thing ever. I would never do that. But you forget that there's so many different fantasy circles and uh, it, it just everyone has a different opinion and someone's going to be right and someone's going to be wrong. All right. I, I got a few more for you, Alex. Then we'll let you out of here. Okay, can you hear me good on those new beats right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just pulled oh. a sneaky, just pulled a sneaky move there. My headphones yeah. got sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay, you ran out of batteries on there. So, um, I, I, you know, one of the my favorite strategies, and, and this is not breaking news. This is not secret or anything like that. But I think it's it's really prudent to target sophomore wide receivers, second year wide receivers who failed the first year to live up to uh, expectations. I know you could just start rattling it off. Everyone, they're all the same guys. But if you get one shot in the you know the the late rounds of your draft, who's the one? When in those important leagues that you're playing in, who's the sophomore guy that you like the best? Second, so second year, second year failed to break out. I mean, you know, we can oh, list them all. Easy, per- Paris Campbell. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the easy. It's the easy answer. It's the number one answer. It's the guy that I, I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not like, I, I'm not. People are going to try and do it to me. They tried to swindle me last night. Byron tried to swindle me. He's not going to do it. Nobody's going to keep me from doing it. Nobody is going to keep me from taking Paris Campbell in any of these drafts. I can get him. I'll, I'll I'll move up until the eleventh round to get him. I don't necessarily have to wait till the the last you know the last round like I can in these simulations. I'll I'll move up and get him. I had the feeling Byron was going to try and do this to me last night. It turned out that he was trying to do it to me. So I I uh, I, I took Paris Campbell, I believe, in the eleventh. But dude, he's a bigger. He is a he. He's a big, fast man. He, he like yeah, Paris Campbell, like Paris Campbell is it could be for Philip Rivers. I know that this is probably sacrilege to say because Keenan Allen just got paid the second highest, you know, the second most money of, of, of any wide receiver in the league. But I mean, who's to say that he can't be a bigger, faster, harder to tackle, you know, version of Keenan Allen out of the slot for Philip Rivers there in Indianapolis on a fast fucking track. And like, Look, he's he's not going to be able to separate like Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's one of the best route runners in the whole league. Paris Campbell is not that kind of guy, but as far as with the ball in his hands, yards after catch, this is a guy that played a ton of a, a ton of running back and stuff in college. Uh, he's he's a big play waiting to happen. And so, yeah, when we look at second year dudes who just didn't do anything last year, you know, through through no fault of his own, I mean, the guy was injured. Yeah, so, he, uh, he 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 gets it when I, when I'm grading the the rookies after the year, I put incomplete next to his name. It, it's he's it big, dude. He's big and he's fast. If like if yeah. you stand next to him, like he he has he has armor. He's not some little slot. He's right. he, he's a he's a. I, I don't I don't I don't have his weight pulled up. He's, six, mean, he's like six foot one, but he ran like a four three something at the combine. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and he's two hundred and, and and something. I think he's like right. two oh five. So I mean, but but it's a rocked up two oh five. And um, yeah, man, I'm not going to leave a draft without Paris Campbell. Yeah, no, that's that. So what round will Paris Campbell uh, be drafted in next year? Is he like a fourth round pick next year? You think if you have yeah, to get sure. yeah, off? fourth, fourth, yeah. fourth, fifth, it'll it'll depend on how far T.Y. Hilton. What it, it'll depend on the way that the offense goes. But I mean, if this yeah. offense gets going and, and Jonathan Taylor can get 
really get moving behind that offensive line. They could, you know, do some nice things to where Phillip Rivers doesn't look like he's having to just shot put these ducks around. And that's the, that's the other thing. I mean, how's T, how's he gonna get the ball to T.Y. Hilton deep? I mean, this is this could be a lot of targets for to Paris Campbell. Just uh, you know, out of the slot, inter, inter, intermediate routes. Just get the ball in his hands and let him run. Let him you know, let him be just an electrifying version of some kind of DJ Moore. Like it's you could see it big time, man. So yep. um, I don't I don't I, I don't know where he'll fall next year. That's well, an interesting thought predict. experiment. I'd, yeah, I'd say maybe fifth round, something like that. Interesting. I'm gonna we'll save that clip for uh, for when he actually the rank the you know the way too early ranks come out. All right, um, we're we're going good here. I'm gonna give you a, a, this is a lightning round game. All right, so all right. Uh, more fantasy value in weeks one through three. Cam Akers or Malcolm Brown and Henderson combined. First month of the season. First weeks one through three. Who has Cam more Akers or, or the other Brown. two? Let me fans? just um, let me just look at this. Let me look at the schedule. So they got Dallas at Philly and then at Buffalo. Malcolm Brown's a Texas boy, man. He'll play against Dallas um, at Philly. That's not a good matchup either. At Buffalo is the best matchup. That's probably that'll be the it'll be Cam Akers, and I'll bet you the Cam Akers truly breaks out at Buffalo. Yeah, I, I'm regretting not taking him in more drafts. I got a couple. We have the Banana Hammock League tonight, so I may uh, reach out to get him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was yes. my next. That's my next question. Who's more cockamamie uh, roster watch super fan, Sully or uh, Eagles fan? Oh, they're both cockamamie. Sully, I, <laughs> Sully's the. I'd say maybe e Eagles fan because yeah, uh, yeah. because We're Sully's a little bit more respectful. He's more of a uh, a little bit um, a little bit more. I I pick. I've never met Eagles fan, but Sully's certainly a clean cut dude, a nice guy. We've gotten to meet him because he's been a multiple champion of of, of those leagues, and yes, we like to meet our league champions in these different cities that we travel to and stuff like that. And so, uh, it, but Eagles fan. You know, he could be a totally normal dude in real life, but he seems real cockamamie on 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 Twitter. So I'm gonna I think I'm with you there. More past attempts in 2020. Justin Herbert or Tyrod Taylor? Oh God, Tyrod Taylor. Or I'm sorry, Tyrod Taylor, because that's the way he likes his name pronounced, right? Um I I yeah, just I I'd be surprised if Justin Herbert. I mean, you put the, I think they have their buy in what? Their buy is in week 10. Let me see. Uh if if they don't yeah, roll Herbert out there, it's just a bad pick. You can't waste the yeah. year for the rookie contract. So their buys in week ten. But dude, Allen Herbert's not going to be ready at all. And I think Tarad's going to be fine. Herbert's not going to be ready. If he he he, Justin Herbert, and if if Tarad Taylor's not hurt, Justin Herbert will come in in week eleven at Denver, and he'll get and he'll get fucking smashed. Mm, I mean, that, that's what's going to happen. Well, that's what's going to happen because that's about the time that they're going to know whether or not they're out of the division playoffs, and if and if or out of the out 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 of the um, out of the division hunt to make wild card for the playoffs because we know in the AFC West we know who this is going to. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be the Chiefs, and so if the Broncos do take a step forward this year, which I'm kind of anticipating a little bit, at some point the Chargers are going to have to realize they're out right there around Week Ten when they go on by is about right, and. Herbert needs to do a lot of improvement. He, he needs to do a lot of development in before he's he's ready to play at the NFL level. With that said, he does have a lot of upside. Yeah, and and the pedigree too. You know, again, like I said, you cannot waste. Uh, if you're not ready, you're not ready. But you can't waste that those rookie contract years on an early pick. Um, all right, Alex, 
I got a couple more for you, then we'll send you out. These are a little bit more fun end game questions here. I'm here again with All Alex right. Dunlap of rosterwatch.com. If you haven't had your draft yet, go over to rosterwatch.com. And I think you could just buy your signature tool by itself at this point for like $6, right? I saw um, an advertisement floating around where you could just buy the ultimate draft cheat sheet. I mean, I recommend becoming a member uh, for as, as cheap it's, as it is and get all the instances. Look, man, if if you go there and you get by a cheat sheet, you you're you you're you're a pro member. You get to use all the tools. You get to do everything. Yes, so and it, it, it's all the same thing. And even the members of DFS Army who are members here, I recommend this is a great way to supplement your DFS. They they do a a weekly Vegas tool where they they talk about the under overs and everything like that. So all right, here we go. So you're uh from what from what I've gathered from your broadcast as well, Alex. You're a little bit of a foodie, aren't you? You love good restaurants. Uh, I love good. Re I love good restaurants, and I, I I also love to kill animals and eat them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, if, there's not a lot of vegans listening to this. I promise you. Right. I promise you. <laughs> so, favorite restaurant in the tech in the area of Texas where you live? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I live on Lake Travis, which is just out west of um, which is just out west of Austin, and uh, there's a couple cities out here called like Bee Cave and Lakeway and Spicewood, and in um in lakeway i think i think around here or just around austin or like are we talking just around like we're close to, close to where i live because i mean there's barbecue everywhere of of, of course this barbecue is the bar in texas, yeah central, central texas is the barbecue capital of the world it's mainly brisket and the central texas style is what has has taken the world by storm i've been eating it since i was a little kid so there's a there's a few places around here that are like that but man there's really good sushi out here man there's this place called sakura and from um uh i'm trying I was to say, i always stay away from sushi places called fuji because that's just like the generic name but i mean i'm a sushi person myself but in jacksonville florida where i am you know an ex-new yorker i got spoiled with my sushi here it's it's right. not a good scene good sushi scene we we have a thai food place called when we have a thai food place called sway which is all mm. like fresh ingredients and really good shit so um yeah man i i i, I love barbecue i love sushi and of course mexican food here is like tex-mex where it's not really the authentic kind of street mexican food like you get in some places it's the, right it's the stuff that the stuff they had on the um it's the stuff whenever like the it's weird, man. Texas is a weird place. You had people coming out here as land of opportunity. I, I can't imagine the original Texas settlers, what the hell they were thinking living out here without air conditioning with all the rattlesnakes. <laughs> but, but you know, they came through in this like German sort of heritage and stuff like that. And those people intermingled with the uh, like like with the Comancheros and these in these different sort of Hispanic uh, cowboy types as they were sort of settling the plains and and and, and hence and the good cuisine. Hence the good cuisine, you know. Yeah, and it's it's kind of become tech. It's they 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 call it Tex Max, and so it's yeah. just there's there's a ton of that around here too. So you often talked about when you go out to the combine that uh, beautiful shrimp cocktail. What makes it? What's the name of the place that has that awesome shrimp cocktail oh, in Indianapolis? St. Elmo, St. Elmo's, and and then and then it's connected to an, a, another place called Harry and Izzy's, where they're kind of sister restaurants. Okay, first car you ever owned? Uh, a a Ford F one fifty. Oh, not okay. Yeah. Truck. That's right. I, you know, I forget you're a little bit country. You know, uh, <laughs> I, my, mine was this piece of shit two uh, two tone brown Ford Fairmount where I needed to stick like a, a pencil in the carburetor. You know, I mean, like, I mean, mine was a piece of shit too. <laughs> oh yeah, everyone's car is a piece of shit. Yeah. The first at least one. we had that in common. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I? Do you know what I had in mind? I I had a car phone in in mind. Like the my, uh, my, the my mom and dad always wanted a way to get a hold of me, and it was like there was a there was an actual like 
it had a cord on it and you picked it up and you and you you had to be in your phone and your car you had to be in your in your car and your car had to be turned on to be able to, to, to take a call you couldn't even take this thing oh. around in your pocket or anything it's crazy uh scary movie you saw as a kid that still terrifies you today oh it still terrifies me i don't i don't i don't watch many movies man um i think or it still maybe has like an, an adverse effect on you when you think about it. Maybe that weird dude in Goonies when they go downstairs uh, and he's, he's got uh, a kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not Chunk. What was his name? It was Sloth. Yeah, I, I, Sloth. I yeah that's what it Sloth. is. I think Chunk was the fat kid. Right, Chunk right. Was kid. Sloth was the Rocky Road guy. Rocky yeah, Road. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of remember that definitely scaring me. And yeah. I think back on that guy and he is, he is kind of creepy. Yeah. Mine for sure was The Shining. I, I can't watch that. But Alex Dunlap, you're a gentleman. You're over at rosterwatch.com. You'll be there all season long. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, we've we've been able to um, organically build our audience uh, in, in also because of people like you coming on here, adding your insights. I'll be doing some work. In addition to my work here at DFS Army, I will be writing and doing some videos for you guys all season long. Uh, yeah. I enjoy working with you. I enjoy your insights. And first and foremost, you know, uh, before I'm an analyst, I call myself like a fanalist because, you know, I enjoy your work um, and Byron's Thank work you, and Trashman's work. So, well, you do great work too, Alan. I think everybody listening to this knows that, man. You've been doing awesome work for us. So we can't wait to keep it up. And thanks for having me on, brother. All right, man. Um, Till next time, everybody, we're going to do another podcast. Uh, I think uh, tomorrow, the next day, DFS Army, we're just going to do some last-minute bull calls. Oh, wait, I can't let you out here. This is the bull call podcast. Give me one bull call. And how we define bull calls are 80th percentile outcome to happen. Now, when I asked this to Byron, he told me that Josh Jacobs is going to finish as a first rounder. I said, Byron, that's not a bull call. I mean, that's, you know, so give me the bold call. Okay. Um Two just immediately popped in my head. So how about this? Will Fuller, top five wide receiver in 2020. CD, CD Lamb, leading wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, that was our bowl calls. And by the way, I'm just goofing on Byron. Those were bowl calls because he said Josh Jacobs is a top five back. But, you know, I was just taking a – I was taking a gratuitous shot at him. But I like the Wolf, Will Fuller call because, again, you know, you could see it happening. I mean, that 55-pointer last year in the Atlanta game, that – that I can't forget that one. It's happening, oh. brother. It's happening. We'll yep. see. Uh, all right. Uh, I am Alan Soslowski. We'll see you next time um, with Alex Dunlap, and we'll talk to you, everybody. Bye-bye.